Good morning, church. Cal Adams is going to have our scripture reading for us this morning to get started. John 3.3 Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus, um, John 3.5 Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Thank you, Cal. Appreciate it. As you might can tell, we're in John 3 today. Did you get that? So take your Bibles out. Let's see how many Bibles. Hold your Bible up. Let's see how many Bibles we got. If you got your phone, you can hold it up too. Okay, there you go. All right. That's excellent. Excellent. We want to be a people of the Word. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about preaching this morning. Uh, I, I looked down and I noticed that I have an hour and, and a half. Uh, according to my watch, so uh, we're, I hope y'all are ready to roll. Uh, I know that that hour, uh, some of you lost. Uh, you're, you'll, some of you will be trying to get that back in the next little bit. I'll try to keep that from happening. So, John chapter 3, let's do some reading of this text again. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. Well, you're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I'll tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things. You do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of, uh, the Son of Man. Just as Moses uh, lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of of God's one and only Son. Let's talk about this born-again stuff. Because being born again is a matter of life and death. You know, when someone says those words, well, uh, this is a matter of life and death, that all of a sudden takes on a very sobering and seriousness about it, right? If something's a matter of life and death. 
And so when this thing of being born again and finding Christ and eternal life, that's a matter of life and a matter of death. So you remember in John 1 where the, John the writer introduces who Jesus is at the incarnation. He uh, pitched his tent. He made his tabernacle among us. He dwelt here. And that uh, people are given the right children are of God who believe in him are to, to be born of God, he says. Not of human descent, not of a, uh, an earthly father, but born of God. And he says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Now, throughout the rest of the book, we see him practicing grace and truth all through the encounters he has with a number of people. We saw it in chapter 2. And now we're going to see it here in chapter 3. So there's this guy named Nicodemus that shows up. Now, he's not just any guy. He's a pretty religious guy, right? Now, he uh, he's part of the Pharisees. And on top of that, another special part, the Pharisees... Comprised of about 6,000 folks there. and But a part of the ruling council, I think, was 70 or 80 people on it. So he's there on the top, you know. He's in amongst the, the elite of the religious. And so he comes to Jesus, and a lot of people make a, a big deal about why he came at night. Now, I don't know that that's any big deal if you're... Uh, uh, if you're pretty busy and you're uh, doing all these other things, I don't know that he's trying to hide anything or anything like that. I just know he just mentions that this is when it happened. So he comes to him and he recognizes, he does something pretty extreme here as a, as a Pharisee. He acknowledges that Jesus is a teacher too. He says, look, I've noticed you're a teacher from God because otherwise you couldn't be doing the things you're doing. These signs, these miraculous things, you're from God. I see that. And he calls him a teacher. This is one teacher calling another guy a teacher. Okay? And so Nicodemus, now remember as a Pharisee, he had a lot of Bible background. He memorized tons of scriptures. He knows his book well. And he, when he says this, Jesus replies to him as a teacher. I'll tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God. Unless he's born again. And then he's going to turn around and repeat it and say, matter of fact, no one can enter. You can't see it and you can't enter it unless you're born of the water and the spirit. Now, this is very interesting because this born again stuff is about the inside of a person. Now, Nicodemus understood this idea of water and spirit. Remember the, the, remember the Pharisees? They're the ones that have gathered up at John's baptism and are looking and trying to be critical of it, but they wouldn't accept it and wouldn't submit to it, by the way. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 7, verse 29 through 30, the Bible says, All the people, even tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law, that's him, rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. They were, he was familiar with baptism. He was familiar with this renewing that takes place in people's life. This color. Now look, to the, to the uh, Jew, how did you get in the kingdom of God? You're born into it. Physically born into it, Right? If you're born a Jew, then you're in. You're in the kingdom of God from their viewpoint. They're in the, I'm in the right nation. They have the right heritage. I've got the right ties. 
physically, I'm in. And Jesus comes along and says, no, that's, that's not it. Not my kingdom. You, being born physically as a Jew isn't enough to get you in the kingdom. You gotta be what? Born again. Because it's not about all the outside things you're doing in your religious activity or your physical heritage. This is about an inside job of your heart. Now look, when he tells him this about cleaning the inside of the heart and having a new spirit, being born of a spirit, where do you think a Pharisee, a teacher of the law who knew the Scriptures, where does his mind go? His mind goes to Ezekiel 36. I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from your impurities and from your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your uh, from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He knew this verse. He knew that it really God was after the heart, but boy, through all the religious activity of the Pharisees, they lost it in the fact that they just thought that by my natural heritage and by my law keeping somehow or another, I can be made right with God. He said, that's not how you get in the kingdom. It's just not how it works. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born of the Spirit. This is an inside job. Nicodemus said, well, look, I know. Uh, can a man be born again? His mother said, I know that's not true. You can't do that. Jesus says, no, that's right, you can't. You've got to be born of the water and the Spirit. Now, look, it's not about the water. But it is about the cleansing of the heart and the soul. You see, when John was preaching his baptism, which Jesus took place took a part of, he's calling people from the Jews to come back to God and renew their heart. That's what he's calling them to do. It's what the Pharisees rejected. When Jesus submitted himself to be baptized, he was showing his own surrender to God's will and the Holy Spirit what shows up. And guess what else happens? It initiates his ministry. That's where his ministry started. By the way, very similar to ours, right? Those are things that happen when we're baptized. It's a surrender to God. It's the Holy Spirit shows up and initiates a new ministry in our life. And as Jace talked about recently what happened, he took him to the wilderness, right? He took the nation to the wilderness 40 years. He took, Jesus went to the wilderness 40 days. And after that, new ministry kicked off. Oh, yeah, it's hard. Satan gets after you. He doesn't like it when somebody changes their heart and is born again and they start something new. He doesn't like that. I always try to remind people, baptism doesn't drown the devil, right? He's alive and well. And he doesn't like it when you've submitted your life to God and you started a new route to serve him. And Nicodemus, he's, he's pondering all this stuff. He's thinking through it. And Jesus tells him, look, you're a teacher. You should have understood this, but you missed it somehow or another. Have you ever thought that you studied year after year after year? You've been in the Bible. You've been religious. You've practiced 
the religious activity that you knew to practice years after year, passed down from family to family. Have you ever thought, could I have missed something? Are we so arrogant to be a people who think that we have it all together? Are we so prideful that we say, I don't need what's being taught anymore. I've got my history and my background. Shame on us. We must always be willing to look at our own life and make sure that the, that the life that we're living is coming from the heart and the soul not just outside religious activity, because that won't make it happen. So this man, this teacher, gets reminded of something else, because Jesus says, remember that story, Nicodemus? He's going to remember it. Remember when the People of God had a problem and all the snakes started biting them and they started dying. And what they do? They lifted one up on a pole and everybody looked to it, found salvation and healing. Remember that? Just like that was lifted up, the Son of Man who came from heaven, He's going to be lifted up. And when you look to Him, you find eternal life. And Jesus points Nicodemus to Himself and what's going to happen on His behalf. Oh, look, he didn't have a problem remembering that story. He pulled it up just like that. And that whole context leads to the most, typically the most famous verse in the Bible. For he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved, and here we go. Isn't it amazing sometimes we take a verse and we don't even think about the entire context that the thing was written in? By the way, Nicodemus shows up two other times. He shows up in John chapter 7 defending Jesus to other religious leaders. And then he shows up in chapter 19 with Joseph gathering the body of Christ and wrapping it in linen and preparing it for burial. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but everlasting life. Who is this whoever? You ever thought about that word? Who's the whoever? Listen, listen to the way this word is used in the Bible. Matthew ten thirty-two. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Matthew ten thirty nine. Whoever finds his life will lose, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Mark three thirty five. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Mark sixteen sixteen. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. John four fourteen. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. You see the word whoever, that word whoever is, means God's grace is available for all. It's unrestricted. While we were yet sinners, Romans 5, God died 
Christ died for the ungodly. And now to the whole world, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever, the whoever in John 3 is Nicodemus, a religious guy that had all kinds of Bible background. But he's a whoever. Whoever in John 4, uh, John chapter 4 is a woman that had all kinds of problems. She's been married time after time again. Now all of a sudden, uh, the one she has now is somebody she's living with. She's on the edge of society. That's a whoever. Whoever is John 8, a woman caught in drug and adultery, caught and laid out in front of an early morning Bible class and all of her shame and guilt. And Jesus gives her grace and truth. Grace says you're not condemned. Truth says go and sin no more. Whoever was Zacchaeus that climbed up in the tree. Remember him? Always liked that guy. Nobody else did. He's a tax collector. He's getting everybody's money. Plus a little on the side. But when he has an encounter with Jesus, what happens? Then he, his heart changed from the inside, and now all of a sudden, he's going to give back even more than he took. One man put it, grace walked in his front door, and selfishness ran out the back. I like that. Whoever. Those on the fringes of society. Whoever. See, whoever is a word that invites the world to God. The Jews had difficulty with this. They weren't used to hearing things like God loved the world. They're used to hearing God love me and my nation. So all of a sudden, when, when this... This verse pops out when Jesus says this to him. God loved who? The world. And does what? Whoever. Whoever can come. Jews, Gentiles. We, we, don't, we don't typically treat people like this. We, we kind of have a pecking order. You have the rich over the poor. For some, they have the men over the women. Some of your houses, the women are over the men. Uh, that's a whole other sermon sometime. We don't see the kingdom of God like we ought to. Educated over the uneducated. Success over those who have failed in life. They're all the whoever. so tempted, see, in my own life to think that somehow or another I'm above other people I meet in life. Same thing the Pharisees had. Same thing the Jewish nation had struggled with. The really people outside them really weren't quite where they were. Do what I did last week. Go spend, a, go spend an hour and a half down at the bus station in Monroe. Look at the whoever's. Go help someone homeless and hungry. And you don't really, can't figure out what to do. Look at the whoever's. Whoever invites God's grace to be found. 
through faith in Jesus. It's for everybody. And boy, am I glad it is. Because I'm just a whoever believes. That's me. And this transformation that Jesus talks about to Nicodemus that needs to take place, this born of God, born of the Spirit, born again, born of water and the Spirit, this is something that takes place from the inside out. It's something that says my heart has changed. So it's not about seeing someone physically walk in the water and be baptized. I'm excited when I see that. But that's just evidence of something that's already happened in their heart because the gospel pricks what? Pricks the heart. I can remember years ago when I first started preaching and I'd lay out verses on baptism and I'd wonder why nobody would respond. And then it dawned on me one day, you're trying to get unpricked hearts to obey God's Word. That doesn't work. You see, the Gospel pricks hearts. The good news of Jesus pricks hearts. It's when someone's inside, it's been pricked, and they want to serve God, then there's a willingness to submit their life to Christ. There's a willingness to be born again. There's a willingness to be baptized into Christ. I remember one time I was preaching up in Connecticut. This guy, he, he came in off the street. He's in, I mean, he's in a nice three-piece suit. You know, you see those around here every now and then. Well, not really, but I mean, you know, you've seen them in life, right? So he got on this three-piece suit. I preach. He responds. And, and, and my buddy Jim Chris that was there, uh, uh, he, he goes and he's going to baptize the guy. And the guy walks, look, walks right up the steps. We thought he's going back, you know, going to change and everything, whatever. So he goes and he walks right up the steps. He's got the three-piece suit on, walks right up the steps, and walks straight into the water. So, okay. So we, we baptized him in his three-piece suit. He come up out of there. He pushed his hair back, walked out the other side, down the aisle, and out the front door. Now, I'll never know what happened to him. Maybe he's preaching somewhere today. Who knows? But I thought, well, you know what? I love a guy that will just walk into the water. Fully dressed. You know, I mean, just, just get there. There was a guy in our church back in Texas that he'd been gone, gone for, for years. His wife was a believer and he'd really never made the move to serve God. He was in my small group and I just talked to him one night. I knew he knew all the information. He had all that. I said, look, have you ever just thought about just really surrendering your life to God? you ever really thought about being baptized into Christ? Have you ever thought about that? Well, yeah, Mike, I thought. I said, well, look, the time you decide when you want to do that, you just call me night or day. We'll take care of that like that. We lived a long way off, and they got in their suburban. They headed out, and, and, and uh, I don't know, it's probably 10 minutes or so, my, my phone rings. He said, we're coming back. I said, well, come on back. And so him and his wife got to talking about it on the way down. He said, I don't know why. I've never really, I mean, I've wanted to surrender. She said, well, you know, Mike said you could do it any time. Let's just, you know, do you want to just go back? Let's just go. And I told him that night, I put my arm around and said, I love a man that will just turn his car around and come back, you know. Right? Whoever believes. It's not a mental consent or stating a fact that something happened biblically. It's a trust inside our hearts that a, that's accompanied with the Holy Spirit of God. 
that convicts us and says, I want to submit my life fully to God. So the question becomes, is that who you are? God did it for you. He loves you. Gave his son for the whole world. That's everybody. He's available. Grace is available. It's not restricted to anybody. It's available to everybody. Hear me now. Everybody is available. Grace is there. Whoever believes. Eternal life. It's a matter of life or death. If you haven't been born again, I pray God pushes you out of the pew and you respond to be born again. If you've never considered who this man Jesus is, then make today the day you say, I want to find out who this guy is. And when we leave here and we meet people in the store or at the gas station or at the health club or the ball game or wherever we're going in life, when we look at them, we see whoever. No matter what their situation is in life, God's already proved He loves them. And that puts it on us to love them too. They're valuable. Their value is not in what they can offer. It's not in their talents. It's not in your, your value is not in what you're doing for the kingdom. Your value took place long before that. You're born valuable in the image of God. Because God decided to do this way before the creation of the world. You are valuable. You know the value of something by the price paid for it. And look at the price paid for you. So quit believing the lies of Satan that you've got to keep on carrying around guilt and shame and baggage like that to keep you from serving God. Get rid of that. You are valuable. God showed it by the price He paid for you. And then see other people that are valuable to God too. Father, we love you. We thank you for the day. I pray, Father, we'll keep learning. I pray we'll keep serving. Father, may we never get caught up in our own pride that we won't relook at our own hearts or lives. Help us to realize we're all still a long way to go in learning about what you would have us to do and to be in the kingdom. But Father, we pray, we pray, Father, for folks to come in masses to you. We pray for a revival in our town, in our country. We pray, Father, that people will have the questions of what does it mean to be born again and that we'll be ready to share with them the answers of Jesus. We pray people will understand grace is available. No matter what they've done in life, they are valuable to you. In Jesus' name. The church said, if you have a need to come today, please do so while we stand and while we sing this song.